This is Pace the Nation. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation, broadcasting back here at Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. We are in the heart of the universe. Of course, that is Clarendon back again for episode 268. 268. I'm your host, Chris Farley. Alongside me, still virtually, it's my wife, Julie Cully. Julie, what's up? You know, I may be the one that takes a long time to get ready and get on this recording, but I've got much better lighting than you. You've oh, got this better. like I know. We sunshine work coming I know. through. I mean, it's exciting. I mean, we're, we've got some good energy with spring coming around, but we're yeah. going to have to work on that. Yeah, we gotta, we got to work on this because we are going to promote our uh, YouTube feed more and more as we go. And... You know, you can see the cardboard cutout of my face way better. That's than you can the see most my actual important face. part. <laughs> yeah. Of the visual. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have to work on, there's no shades in here in Studio 1A. So I, I, I was messing around with it beforehand. I'm but... not sure if there's any air in there either. No. It's <laughs> a lot of ventilation. <laughs> there light, isn't. Shade. Well, sound quality is what I care about. <laughs> now we're going to have to work on, we're going to have to definitely work on the video quality. We will do that. I promise. And we will get you in studio. Uh, I think One those day. will be, those will be when, when the, the, the video quality gets better in here, we'll get you in studio. So that'll happen soon. I promise. I've threatened it for a while, but it will happen soon. That's what people call squad goals, squad goals. Yes. <laughs> you and I squad goals. All right. Well, we are recording on a Monday. So a little late today, Julie, a big episode, a big show to get to uh, really exciting. we got multiple guests and we'll get into that in a second. But we're a little late in recording this week because mm. you were traveling, I was traveling, and it's just, you know, it doesn't stop at the Farley Cully household. It just doesn't stop with the traveling. Um, and we had a, uh, an exciting event happen to us last week that I wanted to share with the audience. Uh, exciting slash scary when you were in, where, where were you? I can't even keep track. You were in Seattle, then I was in Seattle. Where, where were you? Uh, this was two weeks ago. Yep. Last week, you were in Seattle at Brooks. Yep. The week before, I was in Santa Barbara with the Empower Run Industry right. Women's Event. Yep. And the week before that, I was in Spokane for the U.S. Indoor Championship. Right. So. so I think you, yeah, you were in Empower Run at the time. And, you know, we have a seventh month, seven month old at home. And we, we do have a nanny who's with us, but, um, I was doing all the heavy lifting. I'm patting myself on the back here. There we go. It's my favorite part <laughs> yeah. of the show. Uh, you know, take care of the kids, mm-hmm. but our, our youngest had this cough mm-hmm. and many of the parents out there know the cough that's, uh, that, that ended up, be, ended up being croup mm-hmm. cough slash wheezing and had a hard time breathing. And it was about eight or nine o'clock. And I'm like, this doesn't sound very good, but he's, he's okay. That was about the, the point in the day that you started paying attention to the children, which right, was right, eight right. or nine o'clock. Yeah, exactly. So that was the first time so, you noticed. So, so t- <laughs> fast forward to 10 o'clock and the, the wheezing is getting worse. And I said, you know what? 
this is this i'm not messing around with this we're going to the emergency room so i i, I told our nanny i said hey i'm out of here you're gonna have to watch the two older kids they're asleep they were asleep so i got to get props for that it was 10 mm. something and they were Way asleep so so we race off to the emergency room and i had this i had this moment where i was like do i call julie it's about seven o'clock her time. She's probably at a networking dinner, having a great time. Do I call her and let her know that I'm on my way to the ER? Is this story about our son being sick going to the ER, or is this just a pathway towards let me make everyone <laughs> really understand who the true hero of the family is? Well, we'll see how the outcome is. Let's I'm go. Control, Keep going. I'm, I'm controlling the narrative. I mean, obviously, okay. everything was everything ended up being okay. Or that I wouldn't, uh, you know, be, be uh, kind of laughing and joking about this. Take him to the ER. He has croup, which is pretty typical. Uh, just he, they, they gave him a, a little bit of an inhaler and he was pretty much fine by the time, you know, midnight rolled around. So I decided not to call you. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we were at the emergency room and I'm thinking, all right, he's feeling good, looking good. Let's roll out of here. Um, but unfortunately, they had to wait for the pediatrician to come in at 6 a.m. So from 10 o'clock till 6, I'm at uh, Arlington Hospital. And they took great care of me. They were great. But I just couldn't leave. So uh, you, well, you, you had your, your option was to take an ambulance to right, the actual right. children's hospital, right. Fair which would have cost like, I don't know, two, three grand. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. And so you guys just ended up sleeping there all night. We found out after the fact that like, this is actually fairly typical. I have mm -hmm. a best friend who's an ER pediatrician. So I probably should have asked her this in one of our conversations in life, but sure. most hospitals don't have a pediatrician mm -hmm. in the ER around the clock. Yep. So they really encourage you to go to the children's hospital. Anyway, that's just a public service announcement for anyone who's listening that does have small children. Either call ahead if you have the opportunity to, if it's not, you know, an emergency mm -hmm. emergency or just try to find the nearest children's hospital. Because if you're Chris Farley, then you get to like really blow up this story and exaggerate it even bigger. Yeah. You're like, I was in the ER all night all long, night. Yep. all night <laughs> was. when really yep. our son, you know, you had the opportunity to probably bring him to the pediatrician earlier that day. Probably a little too probably. busy with work. Probably didn't really pay attention to. I had to get my run until in. about nine o'clock. I had night. to get my run in. Yeah, and then to, you're I like, oh, sure. this doesn't sound right. I'm gonna take him to the <laughs> ER. Well, he ended up being fine. You called oh, me God. in the morning. Um, I actually thought you were gonna jump on the next flight home, but you were like, all right, if he's fine, you're fine. I've he got, got some a work steroid. To he yeah. was seen by he a doctor. Fine. He's okay. So, so anyways, I mean, first born versus third born. Too. Right. So correct. There, correct. There, yeah. I would have been, uh, you know, and you probably would have called me in the middle of the night with the first born, but right now, third um, born poor, poor Julian. Anyways, now, he was just, now I mine. come home and now I come, I come back from that trip and I'm like, how's everybody doing? And you know, that's when you really lay it on of like, what a great dad you are. And I oh, yeah. protected you and I knew you would want to come home. So I didn't tell you. And so I've got plans Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday <laughs> night. And you're fine with it, right? Correct. Well, I needed my points. 
for what yeah. I did. So you did. You got some points. All right. Well, we we um I just wanted to share that story. You know, it was an interesting story, and uh, I did. There was some back padding there. I, I admit, but uh, everybody's fine. It ended up being fine. Julian's fine, most importantly, and um, everybody. Uh, you you had a you had a you had a great trip and empower run. We'll touch on that uh, after our guests, but uh, I do want to get to our guests. Really excited. We got multiple guests today. Um, good friends of yours, actually, Julie, uh, Molly Huddle and Sarah Slattery. Mm -hmm. uh, they just wrote a book. The book is How She Did It, Stories, Advice, and Secrets to Success from 50 Legendary Distance Runners. You can get that book wherever books are sold. Uh, we've had Molly on the podcast before. We had not had the pleasure of having Sarah, but they're going to talk about their book. Molly's pregnant. We'll talk about kids. Sarah's got two kids. So we'll easily transition from what we talked about to them. So a lot to get into with our next guest authors, Molly Huddle, Sarah Slattery. Join us next here on Pace the Nation. Pace the Nation is brought to you by Pacers Running Stores. Pacers has six stores in Northern Virginia and DC for the best running footwear, apparel, and gear. Just stop by or schedule a virtual fitting with the best running experts in the business. Pacers Running exists to help as many people as possible through running. For every run, it's Pacers Running. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Julie, we are excited to be joined via the StreamYard by authors Molly Huddle and Sarah Slattery. And let me let me set them up real quick. Molly Huddle is a professional runner for Saucony, a two-time Olympian. She was 11th in 2012 at the Olympics and the 5K, 6 in the 10K at 2016. She's also, also a national champion 28 times. Sarah is uh, the track coach and cross-country coach at Grand Canyon University. She's a two-time NCAA champ in track while attending Colorado. Sarah, Molly, how you guys doing? Her guys? <laughs> did, I, did I set you up okay? Was that? Uh, I, I you mean, overlooked I Sarah's whole I know, professional I'm sorry. running career. I know. Oh it, my I, gosh! You know what? We we're kind of short on time. The ac the accolades are so long. I just you know <laughs> I cut it down. You know, Wikipedia Wikipedia needs to sum up your uh, stuff a little better, Sarah. Just in my opinion. So whoever's in the Wikipedia world, if they could help, we'll out get with that, Steve on it. Yeah, get your husband <laughs> Steve to get that updated. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thank you so much. The book is How She Did It, Stories, Advice, and Secrets to Success from 50 Legendary Distance Runners. We're going to talk a lot about the book. Really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Molly's been on the show before. Sarah has not. Molly's pregnant. Sarah has two kids. Julie and I were just talking about going to the ER. So before we get into the book, I was patting myself on the back because I saved our kid. Went to the ER. Have you ever been to the ER with either your kids, Sarah? Oh, the first time, yes, both kids have been to the ER. Both. Okay. Uh, so the first one was actually the first season I was coaching, and it was the oh. one of the first trips away, and my mom was watching them. And my daughter, Callie, was like less than a year old. Or no, she was a little over a year, but couldn't talk. And she, um, she had to go to the ER with a scorpion bite, and they didn't know what it was. <laughs> and our scorpion sting and she um ended they ended up having to give her the anti-venom as soon as they mm -hmm. gave it to her um well steve was also at work at the time so um i was on like you like julie first it was actually second child but within they're only two years apart 
And I was ready to get on the plane and head home because they didn't <laughs> her eyes rolling in the back of her head. And like, it's all neurological. Oh, what was going on? And we were in McAllen, Texas. So not an easy place to get to or fly mm-hmm. out of. So I was a little bit freaking out, but they gave her the anti-venom. As soon as they gave it to her, she was like, bug bite me. <laughs> so, uh, so you'll have to listen back to the, uh, the, the podcast, but I just talked about a story where we took our youngest or I took our youngest, Julie was out of town, uh, to the ER for croup. I mean, it's pretty minor, little steroid and he was fine. So Molly, that's what you have to look forward to you look forward to as you are how many weeks pregnant? 35. So yeah, uh, less about a month, I guess. About a month away. A over a month. So yeah. I know I can't, I, the anxiety, I already have anxiety. How can it be? <laughs> the parent anxiety will double it. <laughs> well, how, how, Chris is really helping you out here. Yeah, He's going to tell you all the horror stories of taking <laughs> your children to ERs. And you're like, I just want to have the baby. So from, from, and Julie and Molly have been good friends for a while. And Sarah have been good friends for a while. So we know Molly doesn't complain. So give me some complaining about pregnancy. Got to be something, something, well, please. I don't complain, but Julie knows my anxiety with my <laughs> my security fears, et cetera, right. <laughs> when we were training together in Arizona. But um, complaining, yeah, I guess I'm like pretty out of breath at this mm-hmm. point. So I'll try not to like heavy breathe into the mic, but sometimes <laughs> I'll be talking or just like walking upstairs and I'll be like, oh, this is hard. <laughs> So uh, uh, you can follow them both. Uh, your, your Instagram handles are easy. They're just your names, Molly Huddle and at Sarah Slattery. Um, I've really enjoyed your video and, and you are like an influencer, Molly. I mean, I've enjoyed your videos as you've been pregnant. Like you'll do some workout and you'll get 55,000 views. I am so jealous. So you have, been, <laughs> you've continued to work out throughout this pregnancy, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I've gotten a lot of, um, like messages from women who are like, Oh, like I, I'm really interested to see what you're doing, but I'm, I am not by any means giving advice. I just thought it would be cool for people to see what, what we do. Cause there isn't much information on like training through pregnancy on the elite side or for any woman really. But, um, I think more women are like talking about how healthy pregnancies are like possible and you don't have to give up the sport you like, you just modify everything. So I was like, Oh, we'll just try and give people a peek into the journey, even if it's by now, by now the running is going to be much, much less, but that's, that's kind of part of it. So, so are you doing any running right now? Very little, like I'm more elliptic going, um, okay. but I did do a run yesterday that felt okay. So I think if I don't go every day, I can do it. Um, so that's kind of my plan. We'll see how long it lasts the next few weeks. <laughs> and Sarah, you're, you're um, a coach, obviously been a coach for a while. What, what role does running play for you personally now in your life? I still run almost every day, um, but more for like mental. You've seen how fit she is. I mean, Sarah Slattery, like, yeah. I yeah. mean, rocking and rolling. I'd be yeah. be shocked if you don't see her crushing a marathon sometime soon. Uh, I do more. I do more lifting though. I do. I lift more than I. Well, I run a decent, probably equally. But um, yeah, I don't. I. Uh, you know, after writing this book, I got really motivated. I'm motivated seeing all these. Um, women later in their careers and I still haven't run a marathon. So maybe that I will. <laughs> well, so w- one of your recent posts, Sarah, really, and it's at Sarah Slattery on Instagram resonated with me um, talking about an addictive personality. I certainly have one. So you must have an addictive personality. So you're working out and that's a big part of your life. Yeah, for sure. I think 
for me, like if I don't get that, just even if it's like 30 minutes or something in during the day, like it just, it, it calms me. Um, I think, yeah, addiction in my family, there's addiction in my family. Um, and I think also I've talked to a lot of people like just about our generation versus the generation before us and other generations where they really didn't, um, they didn't have those outlets or weren't encouraged for those things. It was more, you kind of hid your feelings or hid those things in, uh, um, not so productive addictions like tobacco or, you know, like smoke drinking, um, hiding your feelings and those things. So I like, I'm grateful that we have sport and like I was able to be in sports and have, um, exercise as a way to get that out and, um, in a productive manner rather than drink my sorrows away or anxiety. (laughs) All right. So the three of you, I want three of you guys to, to connect the dots here for me. Uh, you guys are all connected, obviously through running, you guys were all elite professional runners, sort of the same age ish. Um, how were you three connected? Where did you guys, did you train together? Um, where did you guys first meet? Well, I think all three <laughs> of us, it's Arizona training in the winter in Arizona, mm-hmm. but um, meets too, right? Probably we all, we all met as runners. As and competitors, teammates. teammates. I, made, I actually yeah. met Julie for the first time at, in Mammoth, in mm-hmm. Mammoth Lakes. Like she came out, I was a part of the Mammoth Track Club and Julie was training with um, Centrowitz and mm-hmm. he had her go up there to do a training block and so I got to she came and did all of our lifting with us and hung out with our team most of the time she was up there um and we became like good friends then and then um yeah and then we ended up like I grew up in Arizona and I would we'd always do winter training blocks out here when we were living in Colorado and so then when we were out here in Arizona we would meet up with Julie was coming out here for training since, and then Molly was too. So um, we'd always try to get everyone together for some social fun. Yeah. Social runs and social gatherings. And, and I, I assume you, you, you met a lot of women like Julie along the way, and that's kind of how the idea for the book was sparked or how was the, where'd you come up with the idea for the book? Yeah, I feel like we, a lot of the women in the book, we did train with or um, cross paths with like more than just race day. Like, you know, we got to, a lot of them we know because we focused on athletes of this current era. So I always, I don't know, I came away from a lot of my racing career being like, wow, like some of these women are amazing or the the groups that I was um, like training with a little bit in Arizona, the group I had here in Providence, I just felt like more like they helped me so much as an athlete coming out of college and uh, like well, that's what we wanted to pass on we were like wow they're great role models like mm-hmm. they don't all get the interviews and they don't all, like kim smith you wouldn't see her right. you know on your giving an interviewer a, a speech about it but she we've tried to track her down for the podcast yeah. for years she would never do it right but she, she has so much good stuff to say you know so right. um yeah we wanted to kind of harness that and and sarah did you go to molly and say we should do a book or how did, how did, how did the idea of the book come up? I think mainly like we had just like sport had been so powerful for both of us. Um, I think Julia as well, like where it, um, there was, um, we, we were able, there had been a lot of stories that had been coming out where sport hadn't been so powerful or put in a negative, um, 
negative light and 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 a lot of girls we had seen from our generation that were really good in high school not um really make it through to college and beyond and have those long careers and we saw a lot of really talented girls get out of the sport early and so molly and i we were just i was we had so many examples of women that had long and um healthy careers and we wanted to like we're like it doesn't that isn't always the case and we want we want to arm there's so many girls that are getting out of the sport early that we think could um continue to to improve and get better and we want to we want to give them examples of one give them knowledge to be able to have that long career but also examples of women that have been able to um to take on those hurdles that they face and and come out the other side um stronger and and um, continue in the sport and and find whether it be in their careers or um, beyond running, like taking the the things that they learn from running and and getting um, having it be a powerful part of their life. So you guys are uh, around forty. You're all around forty years old. Were there points where you know throughout your maybe high school, collegiate, professional careers? where you didn't feel the support because you're a female runner, where a, where a male runner might've had more support. I feel like it was so normalized. I didn't really notice, but just like mm -hmm. all our coaches were all my coaches were men always. Um, I think I had one high school basketball coach that was a woman and I was like, this is odd. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so like just, um, I think maybe having more female coaches would made, would have made it easier to talk about things like, um, like your period or like eating, like low energy availability and things like that. Um, not to say there aren't great male coaches and, you know, not that every female coach would nail that, but I just think that's one of the subtle ways that I didn't even really think about until I got to this point. And I was like, Oh, there's really not a lot of leadership like that are in the sport at, that are women. Um, so that's, that's kind of something I noticed later. And, and do you think that's changed? Do you think we are at a different, a different place? You know, Julie was coaching at Georgetown, Sarah, you know, finishing up her career as a coach at, at Grand Canyon. Is it different now than when you guys were growing up? What do you ladies think? I feel like you're still beacons. Like there still needs to be more. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the, um, I think co coaches are more knowledgeable now and the, they're talking about those things a lot more than they ever did when I was an athlete, like just seeing it on the coaching end. I'm also a female coach, but I talk, we talk about it all the time with my athletes. Um, but, and I, like I do, I think even in male situations, it's recognized and it's talked about more than I would never go talk to coach Wetmore about my period when I was right. at Colorado. Um, but it, yeah, it, I think, um, the athletic trainers, the, um, coaches, the parents have more knowledge than a lot more knowledge about what we're doing and how to, how to help them. But I do agree with Molly that it's still, there's still a lot that doesn't get talked about. And there's, um, not a lot of situations where the girl, the girls still feel uncomfortable bringing those up to maybe just a male coach in general. Sarah, Molly, I'm not sure who would want to answer this question, but what um, what are some of the themes that you guys started to see rise in the book? Like, I'm sure you went into it with a way that you wanted to structure it, the types of conversations that you wanted to have. 
and the stories that you wanted to pull, but were there any themes like when all was said and done that really stood out to you guys? Yeah, yeah, like, um, Sarah, you can add, add on to this, but we we had 12 questions that we asked everybody. Um, Julie, you, we asked them to you too, and the the editor kind of hacked yours away to some, <laughs> some workout tips. Oh, that was really, you guys, wow. you need to check out the workout that um, Julie has in the book. It was like pretty crazy. Um, and it was just centering around things like what, what would you do differently? What did you learn along the way in the sport? What was important to your success? What was rewarding? Kind of like really trying to get them to reflect on their journey in the sport and what, you know, with an eye towards what would you tell a younger runner trying to do the same? Um, and we did ask some workout details, a little bit of training details. And some of the themes that came up, like we didn't like, we, you know, a lot of the stories were very different, but some of the things that came up had some really similar threads running through them, just about how, like, the women didn't specialize in running really early. Like, a lot of them tried other sports as well as running until they got later into high school or college even. Some women not even until after school, but that was a little more rare. But um, we, we paired that with, like, when we heard from the experts, that was actually supported there, too. So, mm -hmm. you know, we do see some parents who maybe um, aren't aware, like they think if they want their kids to have success and run, it, run in college, they have to be like really focused really young. And so it almost was in distance running anyway, proving the opposite of that. So we thought that was an interesting one. Wow. It was, yeah. That was, that was like 90% of the women had that. They um, weren't specializing early. No, no, I mean, they, they might run, but they were doing like all the other sports seasons too. Like they weren't just doing like junior junior world's track right like prep type stuff that's interesting yeah same question to you sarah anything that stood out theme seems wise yeah i think that specialization i think one thing that and part of the expert session kind of backed that up with like um adam 1040 did a um he was he did a bone health study but found that um in the 2002 and 2003 um, U.S. championships, uh, you were 50% with the women that men and women that made the final in the distance events that you're they were 50% less likely to have a stress fracture in their mm -hmm. career if they um, did not specialize uh, or they played a ball sport growing up. Any wow. ball. Sport. So that wow. was. That was something that was like, wow. Um, and then it was backed up by the amount of women that were in our, in our book also. So like that didn't specialize too and had long careers. So we thought that was interesting. John Ball also backed that up um, saying how important being overall athletic was. Um, and even if you're not great at those things to do those things, because it's going to help um, you help with injury prevention later on down the line. So um so making sure that you're, you're not just one dimensional, uh, in those early foundational ages. Um, and, uh, so I thought that that was a big one. I think the other, another one, um, was almost every, um, almost every girl, the nutrition part of that, um, talked about, um, how fueling, how important fueling was and, um, and getting their period and how, how different 
the narrative was when girls were young like uh, art when we were in sport you didn't get your period the 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 main like answer to that was taking birth control um and not actually fixing the um what was causing the low energy like most likely it was low energy availability and not allowing your body to have enough fuel to produce a period and so they would put you on birth control and just kind of um use it as a as a way to take care of it but it wasn't actually addressing what why that was going on so now um they've changed that to like addressing the fueling issues and and um how important that is um for the long-term health of you as a as a woman for later on when you're wanting to have babies and those things i'm starting to think this book was built so you guys would have a a better pathway towards raising young women (laughs) (laughs) learned a lot i mean molly you must kind of think of that going into your firstborn and you're having a girl that you know all these lessons and things learn and sarah you have a a young young girl in cali um or did you guys pick up i mean it sounds like you're picking up stuff that maybe you already thought about and knew like on how you wanted to raise your young girls but has that shaped you? <laughs> yeah, I think just watching my daughter's experience, like um, even with was also like being a coach, like seeing my athletes and what they come to me with, like um, I I want them to. I know, like, just how I had so many more opportunities than my mom did. Um, yet when we were like we were talking about before there just wasn't the knowledge there um Mm -hmm. and i i definitely made mistakes um later on in my career not having um being fully armed with the right knowledge and so just helping her guide her so that she has that but also enjoys what she's doing um i think that was a another underlying theme that most of the girls in there really enjoyed what they were doing throughout their careers and I think having that, um, not having those experiences where it derails you, like helps, helps you to enjoy what you're doing long-term. And so, um, no matter, I think giving them experiences where they get to try everything, find what they're good at. Um, I'm definitely not throwing her into running, uh, right away. Like I want her to, if that's not what she wants to do, we both know that the amount of, um, I just dedication and really um, uh, hard work that it takes to get to where like that top um, of the sport, um, you really have to have that internal drive. So that doesn't really come from me or my, like my husband, Steve, it has to come from her. And so I don't want to throw her into something that she doesn't really want, isn't enjoying or doesn't really want to be doing also. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, I'm sure Kurt, and, and Steve and, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm less of a runner than Kurt and uh, Steve were, but they always hear your kids are going to run. I'm sure your kids are going to run. Are they running already? Since you guys were such great runners, um, that happens probably uh, multiple times a week to you, right, Sarah? Um, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, especially as a coach too, they're always asking, so you're going to put when are they going to start running and uh, right right what's their mile time yeah yeah i'm like I, we actually have the opposite we're we're discouraging them from running yeah i like it i like it reverse psychology uh, i like i love it i mean they'll ultimately it, it makes yeah. sense they would get into it but yeah there's no reason to push them early on 
Um, so you interviewed a number of women. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to make you choose. Tell me a couple to tease us a couple of stories that stood out. Who were they? What were those stories? Mm. And I'll start with you, Molly, first. Okay. I, we tend to pick the same one. So I kind of want okay. to try it. And Sarah, you can't pick. It. Yeah. You can't <laughs> pick the same one she did. Um, I'll say it anyway, though. We love, we love the mother daughter interviews that we did because it was just such a cool dynamic um and like we so the ones that made it into the book were shalane and her mom cheryl mm -hmm. uh torgy and ailish mcculgan and her mom liz who also coaches her um as well as being you know former world champion so it was just a cool through line to see like you know the sport has come really far since their moms were in it and their their mothers were breaking barriers like setting records and doing amazing things but there was just some things still in their way um that the sport evolved and they really helped shape their daughter and daughters into even better athletes than they were so it's like that's what we're trying to do going forward with the book so it was kind of cool to see that play out with those two and um it was just a fun dynamic to get them on the phone at the same time. Like we were zooming with them all at the same time. So those are really fun. Love it. All right, Sarah. And again, the book is how she did it. You can get it wherever books are sold. So go buy it now. If you're listening to this podcast or listen to the podcast, then buy it. Um, Sarah, a story from somebody who stood out to you uh, when you guys were doing the book. Um, I really enjoyed uh, kind of the pioneers in sport, but I think, one of the cool ones was the steeple pioneer. I think um, we put Anne Gaffigan in there. Um, what was, there's a couple things with her story that were stood out. One, and um, she was the first uh, US champion at the um, 2004 when it was, it was an exhibition year for mm -hmm. the steeple. She won the steeple chase and um, set an American record at the time. But she was, she said like, this is the first time I've ever felt like I was being held back as a woman because she wasn't able to go to the Olympics that year where it was already an event. And that we talk about the history of, of um, women's distance running. And it's really, it's really, honestly, there's not, it's very young um, in terms of this, the events that have been, um, women have been able to run. Um, it wasn't until, you know, like 84 with the marathon, um, the steeple came in 2008. Um, but what was cool is Anne also had the steeple chicks website. Um, mm -hmm. she started that steeple chicks website, had a lot of information on what the steeple was. Um, at the time they're trying to figure out the barrier height, how far the, how far the pit should be for a woman, because the height was going to be different. If you're jumping, um, they have to jump the same distance as the men for the pit, um, which doesn't really make sense. Um, in terms of the, um, the uh the the disc the, if you're coming at a lower angle going out um you can't jump as far but she had that website and emma coburn and emma coburn's parents um would actually write her questions asking about the steeple as they were as emma was getting into the sport um and they became um they became friends through her website and then emma went on to um <laughs> to have a, an amazing career but it was like in, when Emma was just getting into the sport, her parents were really close to Anne trying to get information on how to get their daughter into the event. So That's I cool. thought that was, that was really cool. Um, just little, little, uh, how, how, how these women were shaping other women to really excel in our sport. 
And you yeah. and your husband were steeplechasers, right? So it resonated well with you. No, I actually didn't end up running the steeple. I wanted to, but it was the first year. The first year was my freshman year that they had the event in mm -hmm. the NCAA. Um, and I tore my planner that season. So <laughs> it didn't allow me to. Smart. Barriers. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, my husband was a steeplechaser and, um, I, I think I always admired the event and, uh, uh, wished I could, could have tried it, but, um, I stuck to the, I stuck to the flat. Julie, did you or Molly ever run the steeplechase once, no. twice ever? No, Julie, not, no, not me. I was always getting hurt. So I mean, that scared same. me too much. Yeah. I had the same story as Sarah. I was supposed to do it at our spring opener really? and I broke my foot a few weeks before. <laughs> and so my coach was like, well, you're not, no. you're not doing the steeple, <laughs> but yeah. I thought it was cool. I was like, Oh, that, yeah. that looks so fun. And it was crazy that women didn't do it. Like when, when I was in college, women didn't do the steeple. Yeah. So crazy. Um, awesome. Well, I, I wanted to ask you guys about the state of currently of women's distance running, which is just unbelievable. Um, just within the last couple months, we've seen the American record be broken in the marathon. Molly's half marathon record uh, broken by Sarah. So Kira Diamato uh, broke Dina's record in the marathon. Sarah Hall broke uh, Molly's record in the, in the half marathon. And then Molly's record in the 10K almost went down by Elise Cranny. I mean, and this is all within the last two months. These women right now, whew, I mean, I know Molly, you're still in it, but I wouldn't want to compete against them. Goodness. <laughs> it's it's a good sign. Like it's now getting to the point where to make Team USA, you're a medal threat, which is mm -hmm. what you want, you know, from your, the women in your country or and the athletes in your country. And, you know, it's just, the times, I mean, the times are kind of taking off all over the place with like the new technology and stuff. But I think women too are like, women athletes are embracing strength. They are getting that messaging. They are learning from each other um, and kind of just like piggybacking off each other's like generationally. So that's, that's kind of the, what you hope to see that kind of, mm -hmm. I feel like means it's working. So encouraging. I can't imagine where it's going to be in the next five to 10 years. And Sarah, you're, you're out there still coaching. You see, uh, you know, some performances by women. Um, can you believe it? How, how well, you know, these women are running these days. I think it's super encouraging. And I, I think well, like Elise, um, was one of the girls that in the book, but I think, um, more, she's on the younger side, but even like with a Kira and Sarah, um, we're seeing like me, like, when I was retiring from running in the third, when I was 30, I thought that was a long, like I had a long, pretty good yep. long career, but I think we're questioning, like, actually, um, I think it used to be in your late, like late twenties, early thirties is where we thought you peaked, but now maybe that's even further than we thought. And, um, I think now women are, um, ha they have more support. They're, um, able to do this longer and see the, um, see more women do that and have the resources to be able to do that. So I think maybe, um, maybe our, maybe our peak is a lot later than we thought. Yeah. So I think that's kind of cool. That's amazing. Um, so, uh, we just mentioned you are coaching, but you're winding down your coaching career. That must've been a really tough decision. So, um, what's going on? What's next for you? Um, I think Julie can, uh, can, um, understand this, but... this, yeah. Oh, we can, yeah, we can understand <laughs> for think, sure um, the decision. I, um, 
I'm excited actually to take a breath this summer and not, um, I think with coaching, it's, it's, um, with our sport, you're in season, all three seasons. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's a really, you know, you never have downtime. The only downtime you have is really in the summer. And, and during that time, you should probably be recruiting and, um, and doing some, like trying to catch up on that, that end. So you really don't, you don't have a lot of time off. So I'm, um, I've been coaching the last seven years. I'm excited to be, be involved. My kids are older and involved in a lot of activities. So I am going to be the soccer mom on the side a little bit, <laughs> take a breath, um, get caught up on things that I've neglected at home, but, um, it's going to be really hard. Like I've, I've loved, I think the most special part is the relationship part with those athletes and seeing them, um, to like be able having them trust me with their goals and um, what they want to do and helping them to take those steps. Like that's the most fulfilling part of the part of the job. And I'll definitely, I'm going to miss that a lot, but um, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to having more time with my family and actually seeing my husband um, <laughs> more than a, a day at a time. <laughs> we, we, we feel, uh, we, we understand. Would you get back? Is there a chance you would get back into it? when your kids are older? I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I would love to, I think we've talked about that. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, I think once they're, um, once they're older and I'm able to handle the like time commitment more, I think, um, what I felt like right now is like, I wasn't able to give the enough time. The team needed more time for me and my kids mm -hmm. needed more time for me. And it was mm -hmm. just the balance wasn't there. And so, and then yeah, Steve got I, nothing, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, like, so the kids oh and then it's the team. To... Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my way. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. I think it's something like it's probably one of the most fulfilling things I've done. Um, and I love I've loved I've lo it's been it's a very challenging job, but I've loved every minute of it. Well, that's a big decision. Congrats on that. Um, Molly, you're still. I mean, you're working out again. I mentioned earlier at Molly Huddle, you can see her reels. I didn't even know what reels were, but you've got like 55,000 people looking at your workout. So you're working out. Um, baby's coming soon. Are you done running? Have you announced that? Do you want to announce it now on our show? Like what's going on? <laughs> Are you trying to end your career right no, here? No, no. You can't so get rid of me. I want to break. I want to break news if we can. This is a women's empowerment book. Uh, We're not no, telling I'm not, her I'm that not her life her is out. over now that she said she's children. like one of the best runners ever. I'm not going to push her out. I, this, yeah. So, yeah. What is going on? Yeah. So it, it, I do intend to try to get back running. I my, but I know I don't want to have any concrete goals just because it's such an unknown as far as like how things are going and the timeline. But. Um, and I'm still kind of dealing with like that injury that I got back in 2019. I'm, like I tore a tendon in my ankle. So we're still kind of like re rebuilding my foot mechanics um, and just working around things that aren't getting rebuilt. But all that, should all that fall into place, I do want to do a fall marathon. Um, so I have stuff like, you know, ready to roll for next. I want to go to 2024, just go through, try and make it to the Olympic trials, uh, marathon trials for 2024. And um that was, I feel like that would have been really healthy, long amount of time to run uh, and then just run for fun after that. I probably will never, I like what Dina Castor did where she never really retired. So that's, yeah. that's the model I'm taking where I'm going to show up and do fun age group races and 
just kind of do what I want to do in the golden years yeah. <laughs> and have fun with it. <laughs> and Saucony is still sponsoring you or supporting you throughout all this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Through 2024, which is amazing. Wow. They do not discriminate against the older yeah, that's athletes because awesome. they have myself, <laughs> they have Melindy Elmore, they have, um, uh, a trail runner and a triathlete who are my age. And so, yeah, they're very supportive. That's awesome. Well, guys, I really appreciate the time. Um, everybody needs to go out and get the book. It's how she did it. Stories, advice, and secrets to success from 50 legendary distance runners. The authors, Sarah Slattery, Molly Huddle. Great job, guys. Great to see you. Um, congratulations. It's amazing. You wrote a freaking book. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> how, many, how, how many pages? How many pages is it, by the way? It's like 350, uh, wow. but we could have kept on going. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah, that that's was, awesome. we would have had, uh, we had 80 interviews we wanted to have in the book, and it got chopped down to 50. Wow. I saw nothing wrong with it. I was like, it'll be like a 10 pound book. So. Is, there, yeah. is there, is there, is there an audio version yet? Cause I like to listen to books. I'm making yes. it about me. There is yeah. an audio yes, version. There okay. is. Yes. You'll right. hear our voices and then voices of many other uh, awesome. readers too. Okay. So awesome. Cool. So I'm going to go get that. And I'm sure you can get that on iTunes and all these other places. So again, wherever books are sold, how she did it, Molly, Sarah, great stuff. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, really appreciate it. Congrats on the book. Thanks so much for having us. All right. Great to see you guys. There they go. Molly Huddle, Sarah Slattery. They joined us on Pace the Nation. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this. Pace the Nation is brought to you by Pacers Running Stores. Pacers has six stores in Northern Virginia and D.C. For the best running footwear, apparel, and gear, just stop by or schedule a virtual fitting with the best running experts in the business. Pacers Running exists to help as many people as possible through running. For every run, it's Pacers running. All right, welcome back to the program, and thanks again to our guests, authors. I'm going to preface it with authors because they are authors. It's a uh, great new byline. I know, you know, I know. You know, professional runners, coaches, <laughs> all that stuff. But authors, uh, in this context, it's it was Molly Huddle and Sarah Slatterly. Slattery. They joined us on Pace the Nation. Great stuff. Um, I could have said they're old friends of Julie. Not old. I mean, they're your age. You're not old. You know. You calling saying? us old? <laughs> no, I know. Not, when not you not. said you're all around the age of forty, I felt like both of them were like, "We're not forty yet." No, um, they definitely are. You can. Are they? Wait, no. Molly's not forty yet. No, Molly's not. Sarah, Sarah is. is. Sarah's yeah. about a week difference. Uh, your birthdays are about the same. Yeah, we're almost we're, exactly. We're very similar. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. but it just feels different when you say it. It does. Well, but. Wikipedia has everything. You guys, you public figures, Wikipedia has everything. So, yeah, us public figures. Yeah, no, I correct. do miss them. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's such an interesting like time of life as a pro athlete. Like you become really close with your competition. You become really close with, um, the other people who you're kind of going through it with. Like mm -hmm. you're competing against each other but you're also trying to build each other up and you know learn from each other and so that world becomes really small and then once you kind of leave that world like Sarah and I are in a different part of that world and so we just don't cross paths as much so it takes a lot more effort when you're living all the way across the country I'm super excited about the uh, audio version of the book I will get that I uh, can't wait to read it again the book is uh, wherever books are sold, how she did it, stories, advice, secrets, and success from 50 legendary distance runners. A lot of great stories of, of women and, 
and, and how this sport has changed. Um, yeah. I mentioned power and power run at the beginning. I was out with, uh, Kathy and Burke, uh, they've been on the podcast before. They're the ones who started and are the owners of empower run, man, that event, 125 women. I couldn't believe how much it's grown and every sort of industry, uh, brand was there. It would just sound like an awesome event. So I'm glad I didn't interrupt your stay there with, uh, my, my parenting matters that I was attending to. So, but it was sound like an awesome event. So I just wanted to mention that and give them a little bit more pop. I know we've talked about them over the last couple episodes. All right, Julie, you've done a great job of, of really, uh, I would say you're producing for the show. Your, yeah, your guests you line run up. the show. Sometimes I'm like, oh, should I even yeah. hop in here? You got the flow going. I know. But I'm the one who's carrying the show. You in the carry background. the show it's with your guests. It's kind of like this metaphor for our relationship. Yeah, you know? I know. Um, we've got some who's really. Who's doing all the work and who's <laughs> taking all the credit? Uh, we've got some really exciting guests coming up too. Um, some heavy hitters uh, in the industry that are coming up. So I'm really excited about that. We just had two heavy hitters. Uh, we did. We did. Uh, more heavy hitters coming. So, okay. um, yeah. So um, we're going to do a couple things. Um, we're going to try to get her in studio. We're going to work on my video now that the sun is sort of finally shaded here a little bit. Yeah, I'm um, sure you'll call yeah. like uh, next day blinds or something. Have them yeah. all hooked up yeah, by, I'll, I'll, by next, by the next time episode. Yeah. And um, last thing, I, I wonder um, if our guests like think to ask that nobody's ever asked. And, and I've, I've, I've thought about this every single episode that we've done in the new year here. Does anybody like wonder what the heck that is behind me? Like, why is there a picture of your face behind you? No, just like no, I'm no an egomaniac asks. for naming my son Julian. Like right. you have to build yourself up with these heavy hitters. No Let them know that you're important. So if you have a big humongous caricature of yourself behind you, like, wow, that guy, I don't know why he has a caricature, but yeah. he must have done something ask. cool. Yeah. Little did and, they know it was just like you running a sub three hour yeah. marathon. <laughs> and and we got some fat head company to do it for us. But anyways, yeah. um, insecure much uh guess not um all right great show julie thanks Chris. all right there she is julie cully um thanks to chris behind the scenes great stuff thanks to you the listener it's been a great show our guests today were molly huddle sarah slattery uh the book again go get it right now go go out stop what you're doing after this episode and go get the book right now the book is how she did it stories advice and secrets to success from 50 legendary distance runners uh, molly and sarah join us on pace the nation all right i'm chris farley this is pace the nation we will see you next time